When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ken Burns and his co-director, producer, Lynn Novak, have come out with a new documentary, a six-hour film that will take place over three nights on PBS, The U.S. and the Holocaust. And, you know, like so many people, I've always thought of our country as the welcome the welcome place for all immigrants and refugees, all our huddled masses. And then I saw the documentary. And I have so many questions that I want Ken and Lynn to answer. First of all, I'm curious why this particular topic at this time well, we've been thinking about this for many years, and we've been working on it for seven years. So it's not um, no. <laughs> that we planned it this way, but we um, we certainly realized that a good number of the themes, particularly the uh, anti-Semitism and uh, it, the question of anti-immigrant sentiment, are very topical today. But we don't choose our topics uh, that way. Uh, we were interested in exploring something that most people think they don't have any Roland, and and you're absolutely right. We we advertise ourselves as a nation of immigrants. We are a nation of immigrants, and at times we have been at least tolerating, if not welcoming, those immigrants. But at a critical moment in world history, when people were fee- uh, fleeing the persecution of the Nazis, uh, we did we only let in a fraction of the people who could have come in. Right, and. As we're watching this film, we're, yes, part of the past, but we're part of the present, too. The immigration issue, the refugee issue, is right up at the front of so many things. And it sort of shakes you because our belief system gets a shock when we see it and hear it. And, of course, in all your documentaries, They're visual as well. So it was quite an extraordinary ride. But I'm curious, how did your crew feel being so involved in something like this? There had to be a lot of pain. Uh, Yes, thank you for asking that question. You know, this is a very dark and difficult subject, and there's just no getting around that. And our producers, our wonderful team of producers and researchers and our editors were the ones who had the most, you know, immersive experience of dealing with the archival material, the photographs and the footage, some of the worst things that have ever happened in human history. And they had to look at that. And, you know, we worked with them very closely to try to figure out how much to show, what to show and what not to show and not to show too much and not to show too little because, you know, we understand even to this day, there's still the phenomenon of people who think that the Holocaust didn't happen. And the proof is partly in these images. So we, ha- we do have to show it, but we also have to be careful not to 
dehumanize the people who suffered and were persecuted by showing the awful things that were done to them. And, you know, that was really important to us because we also wanted our audience to understand what the American people knew at the time. And there was a tremendous amount of news coverage of the Nazis, of Hitler, of what he was saying, of the persecution of Jews, of the attacks on Jews, deportations, even mass killings as that started to happen. The American people knew a lot about what was going on. And as Ken was just saying, you know, that did not translate into a willingness to open our doors to the people who were, you know, in mortal peril. Right. And American heroes like Lindbergh, people, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been a long time, are going to have their memories jolted and shocked again. I think we'll be surprised by, Joan, by how Mm -hmm. many people uh, in the sort of the firmament of our of our historical uh, stars, uh, you know, that uh, Charles Lindbergh could be so blatantly uh, uh, anti-Semitic leading uh, an an isolationist organization called America First, sound familiar. Uh, Henry Ford, the automobile magnet, was an even more vile anti-Semite who reprinted in a, a newspaper that he bought that ended up with the second largest circulation in the United States of the lies of a Russian hoax from the uh, 19th century called the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which online is still the Bible of the Holocaust deniers and and anti-Semites everywhere. Uh, People believed in eugenics. uh, Theodore Roosevelt did. Helen Keller did. The idea that you could uh, create a hierarchy of races and ethnicities and that that helped drive uh, the creation of an an immigration law that was passed in 1924 that had quotas for particular countries. And those that were Protestant and certainly white Nordic uh, nations got the biggest uh, quotas and those that had Catholics and Jews uh, had the small and most minuscule. And even though the United States let in 225,000 refugees during fleeing Hitler's um, uh, genocide, uh, more than any other sovereign nation did, I might add, it nonetheless was about only a fifth of what those quotas would have allowed if the State Department hadn't slow walked and made it impossible, even for people who had dotted every I and crossed every T. It's just not a very good uh, story. And to add to your question about how it affected us, I think this has been a a labor of love. It's been heartbreaking, but it's been heart awakening, too, for all of us who worked on it. I think we're all changed as as filmmakers, but also as human beings um, getting involved with this. And it's not we're not here to chastise the United States. You know, we're here to just say this is what happened and call the balls and strikes. And the film is filled with real heroes, people who sacrificed everything uh, to try to save other human beings, not just individuals, but organizations. So there are many rays of light in the midst of uh, what is obviously humanity's darkest chapter. You know, I I remember my mother who adored Franklin Roosevelt, but mm-hmm. was so, you know, upset isn't even the word for, in her eyes, having done almost nothing to rescue the Jews and stop, which something he knew was going on in the world. And you dealt a lot with um, Roosevelt. And I thought it was 
fascinating. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, many people of your mother's generation feel that same way, and partly because Roosevelt had been such a champion for welcoming and embracing Jews as part of American society and his administration and just generally being out against anti-Semitism. He was the first president to do that. But what we found in looking at the history with a lot of care and going through a lot of detail, talking to scholars who studied it, is that, you know, it's too easy for us to pin all the blame on Franklin Roosevelt. Certainly he bears some responsibility, but he also can't just decide what he wants to do and just do it. It's a democracy. He's not the Fuhrer, as Ken always says. And, you know, there's a very, as we were just discussing, uh, an anti-Semitic isolationist country that doesn't want to welcome refugees. So, and he has to work the levers of power the best he can and try to shift public opinion toward getting uh, more involved in what's going on in Europe. Americans don't want to get involved. And Charles Lindbergh is leading that charge. So while he would have liked to have helped open our doors more, he, there are constraints. And he's also trying to get the country ready to fight in the war, which ultimately, as he says, is the best way to stop the persecution. We feel he could have done more and should have done more. Absolutely. So it's too simple to blame it all on him. We, yeah. as Deborah lifts up, the, the Holocaust scholar in our film says, you know, it's on all of us. It's on everybody, not just Roosevelt. Right. And it's interesting that his enemies, that his anti-Semitic enemies saw him as a friend of the Jew, as did Hitler and the German regime. And in fact, exactly. uh, in the United States and outside, they printed a great deal of, of um, anti-Semitic literature that called him Frank D. Rosenfeld and his signature uh, domestic agenda, economic agenda as the Jew deal. So um, I, th I think that in some quarters he was perceived as not doing enough. And that's certainly true. But as Lynn just explained, very in, in a very nuanced fashion, a lot of the things he could not do and still kind of accomplish the objectives he needed to bring the country to full mobilization, which he understood was going to happen. So it's it's a very complex uh Story and doesn't, uh, you know, lend itself to sort of simplistic villainizing of one mm -hmm. person or another. Right. I'm talking to Ken Burns and Lynn Novak about their new documentary, which is actually airing um, tonight. And I'm curious, too, with all this and the years involved and the research, did the fact that most Americans still think that the immigration situation should be tough. They don't want to make it easier or loosen standards as they did then. And here we are years later, still opposed when it comes to immigration. Well, it's a, it's a complicated picture, you know, and there's, not unanimity of opinion, which is why we have such trouble with this issue to this day. I, I think what we see right now, and we saw then, and consistently is sort of a treating certain immigrants as worthy and other immigrants or people, potential immigrants as unworthy of being American and of being here. And different categories of people have been slotted into that position. And so, and that is used by people who are trying to um, gain power and mobilize their base and I just get people worked up when there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of um, fear, there's a lot of resentment. And these are kind of such powerful emotions and immigrants become the focus 
of a lot of negativity in our society. And that was true at the turn of the last century. That's how come we ended up with this pernicious law in 1924 and weren't willing to welcome Jewish refugees from Hitler. So there's a persistent theme, but then there's also tremendous generosity. And we recognize on some level that most of us came from somewhere and that we are a nation of immigrants. So it's just there's sort of an inner conflict in our American identity, and we're still trying to work it out. Right. Yeah, I think that's a really beautiful description. You know, one of the things that's so interesting, particularly as you look at it now, is those people who live around recent immigrants are totally in support of immigration, generous immigration policies. Those who have very little contact with recent immigrants are the ones most frightened by the politicians that they listen to who use immigrants, who use refugees as a kind of political weapon. And it's been happening, as Lynn suggested, you know, for decades, if not centuries. And viewing it through the eyes of the U.S., United States, did that make a big difference Yes, you know, I I think, and, and, and Lynn should comment about this too, Joan, is that, you know, by focusing it through the lens of, of us, you know, no pun intended, and the U.S., um, we actually realized that we then had to examine the Holocaust and all of its contours a lot more clearly. And so we learned as much about the Holocaust itself And we think we've presented it in a form which will shock people for the new information. Two million people killed in what is called the Shoah by bullets before anyone started talking about using gas. Three quarters of the people murdered uh, by the monstrous Nazi regime were done before there were even American boots on the ground in Italy. It's, It's a very complex dynamic. And paradoxically, having to go back and forth to the United States made us sort of focused in, in sort of stunning, I think, relief, the actual magnitude of the crime of, of the Holocaust. And so that was important for us to understand that we did know, as Lynn said, what was going on. We did have opportunities to act in some cases. And because of restrictive laws, because of, of overwhelming, unbelievable majorities of citizens fearful in the midst of the Great Depression, um, brainwashed by eugenics and and other media that are demonizing immigrants constantly, um, an overwhelming majority did not want to let people in. And so um, I think that, that it isn't, you know, our finest hour. So, Cam, yeah. oh, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, let me just reintroduce you, so Lynn, Lynn Novak and Ken Burns with their brand new documentary. And I want to just throw this out, and then, Lynn, you um, go ahead. After all is said and done, did you come to a conclusion of why Americans did not act? Everyone was talking about it in the the press. I know families, many of us Mm. still remember discussions at the table. So why, when all is said and done, did America fail to act? Well, you know, I think we would encourage people to watch our film to really get into the deepest uh, answers to that very important question. And but, but I would add a corollary that, you know, America did act 
insufficiently, as Ken was saying, but, you know, we, 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 we sent millions of soldiers to Europe and we helped win the war and hundreds of thousands of Americans died in that effort. And we did bring in hundreds of thousands of refugees here. So it's, we didn't do nearly enough. And, you know, the gap between what we could have done and what we did, it's the, it's the combination of all the things we've been talking about, a sort of fear of immigrants, um, the way our democratic system works and doesn't work, who makes decisions, um, profound anti-Semitism that had been growing as Jewish populations in the U.S. had, uh, you know, gotten much bigger with the waves of immigration around the turn of the 1900s. Anti-Semitism reached just huge dimensions and became very mainstream. And that, that's not a small part of, of why Americans didn't want to let in refugees. There was also a fear that refugees might become um, saboteurs and spies for Germany. Kind of a preposterous idea, looking back, but at the time, you know, tying into fear of the other and um, a sense of subversion and people being not trustworthy. It was easy to lay that over. Uh, Jewish refugees couldn't be trusted and therefore couldn't be allowed into the country. It was a security risk. So there are many, many factors uh, that tie into this. And then there's also, I think, on some level, we see this today, you know, there are humanitarian crises around the world. And we see it, we learn about it, we find it devastating and sad, and then we just go back to what we're doing. And so it's very difficult to mobilize action to save people who are far away and who you don't know. And so, right. and that's just a human, you know, a fact of, human, of the human condition as well. No, and I think that when people see it, it's not a matter of um, rubbing America's face in it. it it's, it's a story that right. has to be told. Yes, that's right. You just you need to know if we're, if we're going to claim to be the greatest country on earth, the most exceptional people, then we've got to be able to look at ourselves um, as objectively as possible and understand where we can celebrate what we've done. And there are many places to do that. And many films of ours have done that, including within this film of the individual heroics that I was talking about and the, and the various alphabet soup of agencies and NGOs, we would call them, that rescued people out of pure altruism and human generosity. Um, but, you know, we also have to be very mindful of where we don't go right, because that only strengthens you and makes you better if you can delineate that. And unfortunately, so many of these ideas and issues persist to this day, and unfortunately, so many of them have become the kind of um, armaments of political battles rather than larger moral questions. What kind of country have we been? What kind of country do we wish to be? Why is it so hard, as the historian uh, Daniel Green says in our film, to have these sets of stories that we tell about ourselves but unable to live up to those stories, say, of a nation of immigrants or of welcoming uh, the, the, uh, the homeless tempest-tossed um, when times are tough or when uh, push comes to shove or when you really have to suddenly decide. Uh, often fear is the motivating factor, and often that fear is manufactured uh, by politicians who see a short-term gain in making, as Lynn said, the other of somebody when there's really only one race, the human race, and it's all us, and there's no them, 
And when somebody tells you there is, there's a them, just kind of run away because the solutions to our problems come from the active engagement of not only our strengths, but our weaknesses. So with the immigration situation and, and problems that we have put in front of all of us, do you, in doing a documentary like this, feel a sense of you've got to do it absolutely now? Could this happen again? Yes, very much so. Uh, I've let Lynn answer that, but I think, you know, the time to save a democracy is before it's lost. And, and that's what we've got before us, where, you know, we are as divided as we've ever been, and we are as uh, politicized, and uh, the, every everything is, you know, uh, opposites in this country. And, and unfortunately, refugees are still being used as human pawns and games. And we have to remember that every human life uh, is as important to them as our own lives are to us. And what happens in politics is that the idea of the other turns them into an abstraction. And you can't fully understand slavery if you abstract it. You can't fully understand the phrase six million because it has taken on almost a, a meaningless sort of opacity. That is to say the number of Jews, two thirds of the Jews that lived in, in Europe uh, murdered by the Nazis. You have to particularize it as the writer Daniel Mendelssohn says in our film and get to know individuals and get to know their aspirations, get to know the, the lost potentiality of all those human lives not realized. And, and in the case of our current refugee system, to have to put into practice the values, whether they're uh, humanitarian or religious values that we claim to espouse, uh, but often find a very great difficulty to to literally act on, to make the kind of sacrifices necessary to help those people who need our help the most. Thank you so much, Ken Burns. Thank you, Lynn. And congratulations on the documentary, the 18th tonight, three nights over PBS, the U.S. and the Holocaust. And it's a very important, it will change, it did for me, the way you think and make you really think about things that are so important. I look forward to talking to you both again. Thank you, Joan. Thank you so much. It's been a, pl a pleasure.